And uh, Mother's Day is uh, filled with mixed emotions for different people. There's some that no longer have their mothers and they just have the memories. Some of them good, some of them bad. There's some that do have mothers and maybe there's bad memories there and there's some that have them that are good. There's just a lot of mixed emotions around it. But I'm thankful that for everybody there was somebody in their life that took the place of a mother that did the right things. Amen. The fact that you're here today sitting in church, there was somebody in your life that helped you. And that might have been your biological mother, it might have been somebody else, but thank God for that, the attributes of a good mother. And I, I want to I just talk about this, my, my thoughts have been scattered all week on, on this. I knew that God wanted me to deal with this idea of a mother this morning and I've been back and forth on several things, so uh, pray it makes sense this morning. But I, join me in Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2, and I want to look at this for a few minutes. The word mother, from what I could tell, shows up 249 times in the King James Bible. The word mothers shows up eight times in seven different verses. And it has a lot to say about mothers. Matter of fact, when we read through the Kings and the Chronicles, over and over again, it would, it would specifically tell you who the king's mother was. Well, we knew that that king, most of the time, followed his father. Uh, father would rule the kingdom and he would die or he, he would do wicked or do right, one or the other, then his son would follow and his son would either do right or do wrong. And every one of those kings, if I'm not mistaken, just about every one of them, it mentioned specifically his mother. Some of them have said that they had wicked mothers and some of them had godly mothers. And, but, but over and over again, I mentioned it. I think there's a significance to that because of however that boy turned out, his mother had a great influence in his life. And that's true of presidents. It's true of anybody that had any position of authority all down through the years. And it's true of every person today that whoever that mother figure was in their life had a great influence in their life. And it could be for good or bad. And so we find of the 249 mentions of the word mother in the Bible, this is the very first one that we find. And it deals with leaving mama. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Y'all there say amen. Very first time it's mentioned in the Bible. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So the very first mention of mother in the Bible has to do with a man uh, finding a wife and leaving his father and mother and cleaving unto his wife. Now that is a Bible truth that needs to be practiced today. People have a hard time leaving their father and their mother and cleaving unto their wife. Mamas ought to raise their kids so that when they get older, they, they never stop loving them. They never stop worrying about them. They never stop caring about them. They ought to raise them up to be able to leave and to have their own family. And we find today that there's a lot of boys that won't ever leave mama. They'll get married and they'll try to start a family, but they won't leave mama. They won't get away from her. And every time his wife does something wrong, he runs back to mama. The Bible here's the very first mention of mother in the Bible is when you get married, leave mama. 
Don't stop loving her. Don't stop taking her advice. But leave and cleave. Amen. And there's so many today. And I appreciate a young man that loves his mother. I mean, I love my mother. I'm so thankful. And man, the last few weeks, it really makes you appreciate some things. Amen. I appreciate that, but I'm telling you that there needs to come a time in a young man and a young woman's life whenever God sends them somebody, they get married and they leave and they cleave. She don't cook like my mom. Probably not yet, but don't tell her that. She might not ever, but don't tell her. Amen. You need to pray the Lord changes your taste buds. Amen? The very first mention is leaving mother. And I'm not going to preach on that. I hit it for a second there. It's a problem today. Young people, I'm telling you, it's a problem. You say, is it the young man's fault? I don't know if it's the parent's fault or whose fault it is, but they need to leave. Amen? That's the first mention in the Bible. That's always an important thing. Amen? Uh, the first mother in the Bible, we find... Just the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 20. This is the second mention of mother in the Bible, and it's the first mother that we find. I preached on her uh, last year, two years ago, whenever it was. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible said, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And we find out that she ends up having these children and these things. And I'm going to talk about her again here in just a second. But she's the very first mother. She's the first example of a mother. And I'm going to mention this again, but the very first mother in the Bible had a good child and a bad child. Amen. You can raise them up in the same home. They have a free will of their own. And we find that in the very first mother in the Bible. Now, uh, throughout all scriptures, I said a moment ago, we find lots of examples of mothers. And I imagine all over the world today, preachers are getting up and they might specifically preach on one of these mothers. And I want to mention a few this morning as a way of introduction. There, there's three groups that we find that the mothers in the Bible fall in. And I believe we have the same groups even in church to churches today, and we have them in society today. And those three groups, uh, the first one is we have some great mothers. I mean, they're just great mothers. They, they started off right. They, 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 they went through life right. They raised their children. They're not perfect. None of them are perfect. But they just did right, did the best they could, and they raised their children right, and they finished well. They were just great mothers. We have some examples of those, and I'm going to list off a few in just a moment. And then we have some mothers that I'm just calling grace mothers. You say, what does that mean? I mean, it's just by the grace of God that they turned out to be good mamas. I bet they didn't start off right. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't their fault. Maybe they had a rough upbringing. But man, somewhere down the line, they got hooked up with God and ended up being great mothers. Amen. And thank God for them too. Grace mothers. And then the last category I have is just gross mothers. <laughs> and I'll explain that here in just a second. We have the same three today. We have the same three in churches. I want to look for just a moment. We're not going to look at all these verses. Uh, you can look them up or come get with me later and I'll show you. I'm just going to list them uh, for sake of time this morning. But in the list of great mothers, uh, there's several that could be mentioned in Eve kind of falls in this one and in the second one, but uh, the first one I think about is Sarah, the wife of Abraham. 
Again, she's not perfect. She didn't even have a child till she was way up in years. Amen. And don't tell her that either, amen. Uh, but, but had a child later on, but in 1 Peter chapter 3, we find out that she is the example of all wives and all women. Right? She's a great mother in the Bible. And we find her, and we find several examples. We, we, we find Jochebed. That's the mother of Moses. There's not a lot said about her, but the little bit we know about her, she was a good mother. And because she trusted God, because she had faith in God, she got to raise her child when all the other Hebrew boys were being killed. She stuck him in that basket by faith and let him go through there. And we know that that princess found the baby and then Moses' sister came up and said, Hey, I know somebody that can take care of this baby. And it was his very mother. And we find great examples of mothers. Hannah, I believe, was a great mother in the Bible. Again, none of them were perfect. But she was a great mother. I mean, we find that she prayed and she sought God for a child and uh, she went bitterly and her womb was closed up and she loved God and, and she tried to do right anyway and, and she got her heart right with God and toward her husband and, and we find out she was with child and then when she got that child, she gave it to God just like she promised. And year after year after year, she brought coats to him as he grew. And she raised her son to serve God and helped him do it. That's a great mother. We find Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. I believe she was a great mother. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Man, what a great responsibility. Again, none of them perfect, but, but I believe these were great examples we have uh, Lewis and, and Eunice, the grandmother and mother of Timothy. The Bible doesn't say a lot about them, but it said they have some great faith. That's a good testimony. So we have examples of Scripture of great mothers, and, and I believe that we have some examples of these great mothers here, and, and I know of others in other places, just great mothers. They, they, they started out right, they raised their kids right, they're finishing right, and thank God for those mothers. And I believe there's lots of examples we could give this morning of those. And then the second group that we find this morning that I find in Scripture is what I'm calling grace mothers. I mean, the, 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 their start wasn't quite the same as the other ones. The, some, some of their starts were really bad. Some of them were really wicked. But man, the grace of God showed up in their life. And I'm telling you this morning, it don't matter what your background is, what your start was, the grace of God is sufficient. Amen. And so we find these grace mothers. They, 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 they might have even made a lot of mistakes when raising their children. We can read about them in Scripture. But man, they, they, they seem to finish well. They seem to follow the will of God. Eve is one of those. I would say that she got off to a little bit of a rough start. How? She was listening to Satan. She talked to Satan. That's a bad start, amen? I mean, we're not this far into this thing and she's already listening to the devil. Uh, she, she lied to God. That's a bad start. Don't, don't lie to God. He already knows. He already knows everything. Uh, she, she raised one son. There was a murderer. The very first murder committed in the Bible was by one of her boys. That's, that's a rough start. The Bible tells us, and we don't have time to look at all the verses, that she had another son named Seth. 
And the Bible said that all men began to call upon the Lord. He had a rough start. One of her boys killed one of her other boys. But she stayed true to God. And it appears that she finished out to be a pretty good mother. Amen. A grace mother. We find Rebecca. Rebecca, she was the mother of Jacob and Esau. She was a good mother, but she wasn't a perfect mother. She chose a favorite. Now, I'm not going to ask mothers in here if you have a favorite child or not. Especially since most of my mom kids are sitting in the room and I don't want to know. Amen. But she chose a favorite. Amen. Between Jacob and Esau. She loved Jacob, but her husband loved Esau. And she ended up lying to her son. She ended up lying to her husband. That's not good. There's a lot of wives that lie from and keep things from their husbands. That's not a good thing. He got quiet. Rebecca. But what we find out about her in the end is she ended up being a good mother. Amen. What about Bathsheba? Bathsheba was caught up in a scandal. In an affair. Now you might say, well she had no choice in the matter. The king said go get her. Either way, she was in a mess. She, she was in an absolute mess in her life. But she ended up being the mother of Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible. And we find that Solomon writes a lot about his mother in the book of Proverbs. What about Rahab the harlot? I mean, that's your name. <laughs> that's how she's known is Rahab the harlot. And she's in the genealogy of Christ. She ends up being the great, 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 how many ever greats there are, grandmother of King David. I mean, that's a rough start when you're Rahab the harlot, but you end up being Rahab a great mother. I believe she's a picture of God's grace. Don't you think so? Naomi. Naomi's a picture of somebody that just had a rough start. Amen. She was one of the children of the Jews and she just had a, had a rough go and lost her husband and lost her son-in-laws and she was in a land she didn't need to be in and just problem after problem. But man, we see God's grace in her life. And one of her daughter-in-laws is another mother that ended up having a rough start but ended up well and that's Ruth. The great-grandmother, the great-great-grandmother, however it plays out of King David. And man, she was a Moabitess woman. You know the story of Ruth. And she is a picture of God's grace that ended up being a good mother. You might be here this morning or whoever might be listening and say, I've had a rough upbringing. I came from a broken home. I came from a busted up home. I came from a bad relationship. I came from failed marriages. Uh, some of these women I just mentioned were married multiple times. They came from bad things. But they ended up being great mothers. You cannot allow sin and the past and all those things to define who you are for God going forward. You can be a great mother for God. There's countless others that we read about in Scripture as you go through there that had questionable pasts and they made questionable decisions and things that we wouldn't agree with, but they ended up being good mothers. And then there's this last list, and that's what I'm calling the gross mothers. This is sad. But I'm telling you, we have a world full of these mothers right here, right now. Our world is slapped full of them. And you know what? They'll tell you that, that this is who they are. You don't believe me? You just get on social media and the mothers will tell you this is how they are. They'll be glad to tell you. 
Where we find some bad examples of just wicked mothers. Where we find uh, Zipporah. That was, that was Moses' wife. But she was bitter and she was angry about God's plan for her family. Moses said, this is what we're doing. She got mad about it. You can go read about it in Exodus chapter 4. And she was angry about God's will for her family. She was out of place. We read about a, a, a horrific, horrific event in the book of 1 Kings about a murderous and a neglectful mother. We don't know her name, but she was a mother that was sleeping with her child and, and accidentally it, it appears that she, 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 she fell on top of her baby and killed her baby in the sleep. Y'all remember that story? And she got up and stole her friend's baby and took them and swapped the babies. Took her dead child and swapped with the other one. And then when they went before the king... The king said, I'm going to cut him in half. And she was willing to let it happen. That's a wicked mother. How in the world can a woman carry a child and put it in a garbage can at a, at a gas station? You say, I don't understand that. That's wicked mother. That's ungodly. It's wicked. That's a gross mother. And then we read about a cannibalistic mother in 2 Kings chapter 6. During the siege of Jerusalem... They cooked and ate her child. I'm not a mother, and I thank God for it every day. <laughs> Amen? These men that want to be women, they have lost their ever-loving mind. I mean, for more than just the obvious reasons, they've lost their mind. I have no desire to be a woman in any way, shape, form, anything. Amen? And, and uh, No desire at all. But I'm telling you, I'm not a mother, but I cannot imagine in a million years offering my child up to be eaten. This other mother that agreed to it, and she ended up eating, she ended up hiding her child. She said, you're not eating mine. Hey, Amen. I don't know what category she falls in because she ate somebody else's. You want to talk about wickedness at the highest level? That's what we read about. Yes. Think about it, Mom. But you, how could you offer your child and say, we're going to eat my child? And tomorrow we'll eat yours. But people are doing it every day out here in society. You said, we eating them? I'm not getting back into that again. I did it last week or whatever it was. There's people having abortions every day. Every single day. There, there's children... Now they have at these fire stations in these major cities, they have a deposit box that you can stick your baby in, close the door on it, and walk away and anonymously give away your child. Now I don't understand that. Now every mother in here would, pro would probably say, I don't understand that. There's, there's women that fall on hard times and they can't, but I'm telling you, there's people that will help. And I'll tell you where the best place to start is, that's the church. The local church. If somebody messes up and they need help and they got a child, something happens, the local church is there to help. Man, we live in a wicked society. We have more examples of just gross mothers, wicked mothers. Jezebel was one. 
We read about Jezebel. We read her start. And she corrupted her husband. She influenced her family. We find all those things about her. And her impact on her family lasted for generations and generations and generations. And we read more about Jezebel than we do just about any other woman in the Bible. And it's all bad. There are so many men today that are being run by Jezebels. And their families are being run by Jezebels. There's so many characteristics that she has that are just bad that, man, you need to run away from. We find another bad mother in the Bible and a wicked mother, and that's Lot's wife. Not a lot said about her, which is a bad thing, because there was a lot said about wife and his kids, but she wasn't there. Hey, man, you say, where was she? I don't know. She wasn't at home. It appears that she wasn't at home when all that wickedness was taking place and those angels came in and Lot took his daughters and threw them out in the street. She's nowhere to be found. Lot was the one in there cooking. She had no spiritual influence on her family. That's a sad state when a mother has zero spiritual influence on her family. And we find that she was one of these mothers that is not a good example. We find out that it appears that she loved the world and what was back in Sodom more than her family. Why? Because she turned back. That's a bad example. Mothers in here this morning, I, I hope that your children and your husband know that you love God and you love them more than you do this world. More than you do the pleasures of this world. Your children have to fight for your attention when over Facebook, you're, you're in trouble. If they have to fight for attention over your cell phone or over the television, you're in trouble. Lot's children, they didn't have their mother because she was so infatuated with the world. We see that example here of her. Multiple kings. Solomon was one of them. He had several wives that served false gods. And we find the influence that had on his children. We find king and mothers over and over and over again. And I say this one for last in the examples of wicked and gross mothers, but you have Herodias. She is the wife of Herod. And what we find out about her was she ran the home. She ran the home. Uh, we find out that she hated the man of God. She hated the preacher. A lot of times in a church when a family gets up and leaves, most of the time, 98% of the time, it's because the woman is mad as a firecracker. I mean mad, angry, and marches right out the door. And Herodias, she hated John the Baptist. He hated the preacher. You know what this wicked woman did? She wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. You know how she did it? She got her daughter to get up and dance provocatively in front of you. How many of you told yourself what you're talking about? She thinks it's world. I see people doing it all the time. She 
got her daughter, dressed her up provocatively, stuck her before the king, and dad, and she said, Mama, what am I going to do when he, when he asks me what I want? Because she knew how to get his attention. He's up there dancing in front of her, and, he's, and her mama said, whenever, whenever he asks you, you know what he did? Put John in prison for her sake. That's a wicked mother. We were down in Pensacola this past week for a work conference, and I'll tell you, everywhere I turned around, there's these young girls all over the place dancing all over, and a mother or somebody hold the phone trying to record them. That has no different than what Herodias did right here. No different at all. Promoting it. Dancing with them. Your body, if you're married, belongs to your husband alone. <laughs> Nobody else. Your daughter's body doesn't belong to anybody but God. Has no business being put all over the end. Herodias paraded. That's a wicked mother. She, she prostituted her daughter for something she wanted. And there's people that do that with their kids all the time. That's wicked. But we find these three groups. We find the great, these great mothers. We find the grace mothers. We find the gross mothers. I, I want to look at some characteristics of a godly mother. Just very, very quickly. And I, I'm out of time. But I'm just going to run through this. The characteristics of a godly mother. You can, you can find these in Proverbs 31. You can find them in Titus 2. You can find them in 1 Peter 3. You can find them in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Where it specifically mentions these women and what would make them a godly mother. And we find these characteristics in some of these women I mentioned that make great mothers. And we find some of these characteristics in these women that are grace mothers that started off rough, but man, they gave their life to God and they finished well. And mothers, I encourage you this morning, in this world of wickedness, finish well. Finish well. You would never let a pervert come in and put his hands all over your daughter. I don't believe you would. Amen? They'll get the right hand of fellowship. You wouldn't do it. But if you let perverts put their eyes all over your daughter because of the way she dresses or the way that she promotes herself on social media, it's the same thing. Amen? What makes a godly mother? There's, there's a few characteristics, and I'm just going to mention them. We're out of time this morning. The first one is meekness. A meek and a quiet spirit. This is some of the characteristics we find of a godly mother. There's times and examples that we have all through Scripture of these great mothers where they knew their place. And they had a meek and a quiet spirit. Amen? Uh, not only that, but they're marked by modesty. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 31 that that woman made clothes for herself to cover herself. And we find in Titus chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 3, in Titus we find that some of the descriptions of that woman was holy, discreet, chaste, sober. 1 Timothy 2.9, it says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shame, faintness, and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. One of the qualities of a, of a godly woman is modesty. Not just in her dress, but in the, her life and the way that she behaves herself. 
She's not loud. She's not boisterous. She's modest. There's women today that they don't realize, young ladies, that one day if the Lord tarries, they're going to be a grandmother. And the kids are going to look back and say, Grandma, was that you? Amen. Wouldn't it be nice if they had a testimony to look back and say, Grandma, you've, you've never changed, have you? Hey, wouldn't that be a good testimony? Grandma, you've always been modest. You've always been meek. You've always had a good spirit about you. And that would be a wonderful testimony. This thing of modesty, it's not just the apparel. That's a big part of it. But we're talking about the life in general. Your, your conversation, your testimony. Having a, a testimony of being a meek and quiet spirit. Of having a modest behavior. It talks about not adorning yourselves and all those things. And, and, and just trying to have an attitude. Of some, someone that's pleasing to be around. There's women today. They're, they're, they're so loud. Amen. Solomon dealt with it too. If you're reading the book of Proverbs, over and over and over again, he's like, stay away from the loud, stubborn women. Amen. It'd be better to be in a rooftop over in the corner than with a loud, stubborn woman. Amen. Brother Jeff said a wide woman in a brawling house. <laughs> talks about a brawling woman in a white house over and over again why does he say it because it's a problem it's a problem amen all the men are afraid to say amen but when I preach on Father's Day maybe the ladies will help me preach to the men one of these years my dad did this several times when he pastored he would blister the men on Mother's Day and then he would preach to the women on Father's Day might have to do that sometime. Maybe thinking about changing to it right now. <laughs> there, these are some things that mark these women. There's some characteristics of a godly woman. Have you ever met a, a lady and looked at her and said, man, there's something different about her. <laughs> Quiet and meek spirit. She's not loud and boisterous and trying to control the room and control everything and control her husband. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a husband start to say something, his wife look at him and he shuts up immediately. Like he is well trained. <laughs> There's things that mark the characteristics of a godly woman. One of them, she's she, she one of the characteristics, one of the things she's marked by is her motherhood. And I got verses for all these, but go back and read them in Titus chapter two and Proverbs chapter thirty one. All these verses I mentioned, it talks about these things. Her children shall rise up and call her blessed. I can look at your children and spend time with them and tell you what kind of mother you are. Now listen, when they get older and begin to make their own decisions, they have a free will. They don't always do and, and, and respond to how you raise them. Sometimes they don't. That's just the way it is. But when they're younger, you can look at them and you can spend time with them and you can tell what kind of mama they have. And they're not perfect. I'm not saying they need to be perfect. When you have kids, there's going to be a lot of excitement. But they're marked by their motherhood. Amen? Do the children rise up and call you blessed? Say, man, I love my mom. Brother Jim said this this morning, man, I'm glad I got them whooping. Amen? He didn't appreciate that at the time. But you know what he did this morning? He rose up 
all her blessed. That's what he did. Amen. And a mother needs to strive to have that attribute where, where her children said, she, she didn't give me everything I wanted. And thank God for it. When your mother tells you no, most of the time, sometimes they just say no because that's the immediate response. But most of the time, it's for your benefit because she loves you. And you might not like it, but you need to thank God for it. There's a lot of parents that let their kids do whatever they want to do. And they grow up hating their parents. She's marked by her motherhood. She's marked by her making. Her making of the house. Her, her working and the things that she does with her hands. You can go into most people's houses and I'm telling you, it looks like an EF3 tornado went through the home. And you might say, well, I, I work a full-time job. I know women that work a full-time job and they raise their children and they do things in their house. It's clean. It's kept. They're marked by their making. Then there's some homes you go in. I've been in them. And there is a path to go through the living room to go to every room of the house. It is a, it is a path. So why is it just a path? Because you can't get anywhere else in the home. That house is supposed to... I mean, that, that, that's, your, that's your castle. Amen? It, it ought to be a place that your children love to come home to. Our, our home growing up, it was never perfect because there was at least five to ten children in it at all times. Five of us and neighborhood kids. But the house was always kept. Our rooms were a little questionable sometimes, but that wasn't her fault. Amen. And we were made to clean our rooms. Amen. If you got kids that are old enough to walk, they're old enough to start cleaning. Amen. Help pick up. They're marked by their making. You, you ought to have a home that your husband and your children enjoy coming home to. And I understand that there's some that work, some have to. When we first got married, Sarah did. And, and, and husband, you try to help out where you can, but wife, that's your primary responsibility above the job. Last of all, not only is she, is she marked, the characteristics of a godly mother marked by her meekness and her modesty, her motherhood by her making. But last of all, she's marked by her man. We are going to look at these very quickly. Titus chapter 2. Turn with me quickly. She is marked by her man. Titus chapter number 2. We find here some instructions given to the young women. The instructions given, Titus chapter 2 verse 4, very quickly. We find that they may teach the young women in verse number 4 to be sober, to love their husbands to love their children. A, 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 a godly woman is going to be marked by her man. Does people know that that husband loves that wife? I've been around some men and, that, and everybody in the room knows that he loves his wife. And everybody there knows that that wife loves him. I've met some men, I've never met their wife, but I know that she loves him. Why? You can see it all over his face. You can see it. And you know what? I know that's a good woman because there's a mark of the fact that she loves him. 
And we find that there. Verse number five, it said to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. These are all verses that were part of my other points that you can go look at later. Obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. You can be marked as a godly wife, as a godly mother, based off of how you respond to your husband. When he talks, do you roll your eyes? Amen? Especially in public when everybody's watching. Amen? That's not a good testimony. You said he's an idiot. You married him. And you need to pray for him. We had a whole Sunday school lesson a couple months ago. I mean, a Wednesday night Bible study on the fact that we know your husband's an idiot. That, that was the whole lesson. We understand he's an idiot. But you're still supposed to love him. And you're still supposed to obey him and honor him. And you'll be marked by it. And God will bless you for it even when he's being an idiot. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 3. Very quickly, just a couple more places and I'll finish. And I believe we have examples of great and grace mothers in our, in our church. I really do. I don't know of any wicked and gross mothers. And I'm thankful for it. Amen? But we got young ladies coming up and I encourage you to find and marry the guy, the man that God wants you to marry. Amen. Not the popular one. Not the good looking one. Now listen, he might be both of those and God might give them to you and thank God for it. But that's not what you ought to strive for. You ought to strive for somebody that pleases God. Amen. Somebody that's saved and believes like you do. First Peter chapter 3, we're not going to read all the verses. But what we find here is, in verse number 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Another mark is, whenever you look at the husband, does he have something nice to say about you? We're going to look at that here in just a second. But in subjection to your own husbands, my wife has been criticized before because ladies would come and say, we're planning on doing this on this night. And she says, let me talk to my husband first. And they say, what do you mean talk to your husband first? She goes, exactly what it means. Amen. She's never done what I'm about to say to anybody in here. I don't know what she has. But she's coming in before and said, I don't. And I'm like, you're not going to let you go. Okay. She'll go back and say, my husband said I can't go. She's never done that to anybody in here. Wives, that's a way out. But guess what? If you want to go and your husband says no, Amen. We, this whole chapter is dealing with being subjected to your own husband. So that if any of them are unbelievers, if they're lost, if they're backslidden, you can win them by your submission to him and by obedience. That's what this whole chapter is dealing with. The first part of it. And you know what? Abraham and Sarah, we have the example where she just responded, Yes, Lord. Amen. And that's the example given. And so wife, if you go to your husband and say, hey, I, I want to do this, you don't go tell him what you're going to do. You go say, hey, this is what I would like to do. And if he says no, you say, yes, Lord. I know that last part's not going to happen. That's the example we have here in the Scripture. That was the response. That, that is a biblical response is yes, Lord. Amen. Any other response is not biblical. <laughs> but, but 
we find that this godly woman, this godly mother, is marked by her by her husband. Amen. Is, is, is he is he grudgingly? Does he not want to come home? Does he not want to talk to you? Does he not want to bring up certain subjects because he knows he's going to poke the bear, the mama bear? Go to Proverbs chapter thirty-one. That's not a good testimony, ladies. That's not a good testimony. And I know he's an idiot. We've already established that. But he's your idiot. Proverbs chapter 31. We weren't supposed to be any amens on that. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 31. This great chapter. Now listen. uh, The first parts of the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. And there's many people that believe that King Lemuel wrote this chapter. I don't believe that. I believe that Solomon wrote this and he's quoting King Lemuel. And I believe he's quoting it about his mother. He agrees with what King Lemuel said about what his mother had taught him. And I believe Solomon is agreeing with him. And just like in chapter 30, the words of Agur the son of... I believe that he's quoting these men. When people write books, they quote other people all the time. And I believe that's what he's doing. I believe he's quoting them. I don't believe these men wrote these these chapters. I believe he's quoting them. Okay, And he's talking about a godly mother. We find in verse 10, this is the verse that everybody knows, uh, most everybody who can find a virtuous woman for a price is far above rubies. And it begins to talk about this godly woman. And there's so much in this chapter that can be dealt with on a godly woman. And everything that I've preached this morning can be found in Proverbs chapter 31. And there's verses for every one of them. But I, I want to specifically mention this, and I'm finished, about her being marked by her man. We find here in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 11 and 12. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And I want to ask you ladies this morning, does, does your husband's heart fully trust you? I can't tell you how many men that I've talked to and I've dealt with over the years and work in secular jobs and even in churches that when they leave and go to work, they have no clue what's going on at their house. And it bothers them. They don't know that when they leave, that whatever He's asked them to do as a family, and what what He's asked them to do as a home, if He said, I don't want this kind of music in the home, He leaves and goes to work, and as soon as He leaves, she cranks it up for her and the kids to listen to. He leaves and goes, and He said, I really don't want you... Fellowship with these ladies, they're trouble. And as soon as he leaves, she does what she wants. And guess what? The whole time he knows it down deep inside something's not right. He knows they're not doing right at home when he's not there. And that's a sad characteristic. Wife, this morning, does your husband's heart fully trust you? Does he know that that, that you're doing everything in your power to do right before God? Does it, is that not what this verse says? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. And look at this last part of this verse 11. So that he shall have no need of spoil. Now listen, I'm not going to get into this this morning, especially with children in here. And it's not right at all for a man to ever step out on his wife. Ever. He's wrong. But wife, don't give him a reason to. That's what this says. Don't give him a reason to want to. 
Now listen, there's some that do and they're wrong. And even if she does give a reason, he's still wrong. But what this verse is talking about is this, this godly woman here, she makes sure that he has no reason to go anywhere else. No reason at all. Doesn't even want to. Has no desire. Why? Because his heart safely trusts with her right there at the house. He knows when he gets home, she's there. Amen. He knows when he needs comfort, she's there. Whatever it is that he needs, she's there for him. Has no reason to go anywhere else or do anything different. What a good testimony. Look at verse number 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. It specifies that she's going to do him good and then it goes a step further to make sure you understand. And not evil. Not only am I going to do good towards my husband, the wife says this, not only am I going to do right towards my husband, but I'm not going to go the other way evil and cause him problems. I'm not going to do evil. I don't care if he deserves it. I don't care if I think he needs it. I will not do it. That's what this virtuous woman is. Some ladies say, well, I can never be that woman. You've never tried. And you ought to strive to be, amen? None of us are perfect. We know that. Verse number 23. Last verse. The Bible said her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Talking about this virtuous woman, her husband. You know what she does for her husband? She promotes him. She encourages him. She helps him. She supports him. She prays for him. Whenever, whenever he comes home for work, her children are excited to see him come in. Why? Because she's been preparing them all day for when daddy's coming home. You know how many husbands leave their job and they go get drunk before they come home? A lot. You know how many take second shifts and third shifts not because they have to have the money, but because they don't want to go home? A lot. And it ought to be a joyous thing for a husband to say, I cannot wait to get home and see my children. I cannot wait to get home and give my wife a big old kiss and embarrass the children. Amen? The bigger the kiss, the bigger the embarrassment. Amen? A husband ought to say, I can't, I can't wait to do that. But most of them will sit in the parking lot for 20 minutes trying to get up enough strength to go in there and fight the battle. They've been fighting all day long. There's been Jezebels all in the world trying to vibe for their attention. Every website they get on, I don't know what in the world a naked woman has to do with car parts, but she shows up on every website. The devil just pumping that stuff all day long. And all he wants to do is go home and hold his wife and be with her. He sits out in that car trying to think twice and buy. I'm going to have to go in here and fight this. I've known women that when the husband works all day long, he gets home. And I understand about helping out, especially if a wife works. But, but in some of these instances, the wife didn't work. And I understand when I say that. I, being a mom and homeschooling is a full-time job. I do it about one day a year, and that's all I can handle. I thank God for my wife. I understand it's a full-time job. I get that. But I've known of some that didn't do anything all day long but laid around and played on Facebook. The kids were a filthy mess. They weren't fed. These are true stories. The husband gets home from work and she goes, you take care of them. I've had them all day. And she leaves and goes get drunk stuff for the whole night. 
of even leave a word. You know what that is? That's misery. Amen? He ought to want to come home because he knows that she's there waiting. Amen? These are marks of godly mothers. And we see the great examples in the Bible. And I pray that we would raise up a generation of young ladies that want to do right. You say, my home is not this way and I, I don't have all those. Maybe I have some but not all of them. Why don't you ask God to give them to you? Amen? When's the last time you thanked your husband and thanked uh, your, your, your husband for taking care of your family and then, and then the other way around, husband, when's the last time you thanked your wife for taking care of you and taking care of that home? I know Mother's Day set aside, but man, there, there ought to be every now and again something show up at the house. Amen? Not everybody likes flowers. Get chocolate, get fruit. You say, I can't afford flowers. This time of year, there's fresh flowers on graves all over the place. <laughs> and if you go right at dark, hey, it's the fault of cows. I'm just saying you can do something to tell her I love you and I'm thankful for you. She goes, we can't afford it. Where do you get these from? Say, baby, God provided. <laughs> Let's all stand. Thank you for being good listeners. We, we appreciate our visitors being here today. Listen, I've been preaching about these mothers, but I want to tell you something real quick, and I'm going to ask my wife she come play the piano. I understand what time it is. We'll try to get fit. We don't have Sunday night service, so we take longer in our morning service. But listen, if God spoke to your heart this morning, we want to give you a chance to respond. And I also want to extend an invitation this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. We've been talking about mothers and godly mothers. And, you know, one of the most important things of everything that we've mentioned today is that, is that a person be born again. You, you can't be the mother... You can't be the dad, the father that you ought to be if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You just can't. Brother Jim, Ms. Patty, you bring your Bibles and come to the front quickly. We'll just, just, one, just one moment here. Listen, you can't be a godly father, a godly mother unless you've been born again. The Bible said we're not promised tomorrow. Life is even as a vapor that appear for a little time in fancy.
mothers, the gracious mothers, and those there's wicked mothers. Some, some of you know people that are wicked mothers. You need to pray for them. God can take them. The grace of God can take them and remold them. Amen. Alright, I'm going to ask my dad if he